like oh, they're be quiet so <laughs> it's easy to uh, to edit yeah, it you know yeah. what I mean because if we're like talking and then immediately I go alright welcome to like there's no cut for you to, to edit it I'm just trying to I'm helping you out I can, I can slow down time in my <laughs> editor that's amazing he's got a super power yeah. um, Welcome to Marginally Significant. Today we're going to be talking about teaching. Uh, my name is Andrew Smith. I'm here with... Andrew Monroe. Twyla Wingrove. And Chris Holden. Like I said, we're going to be talking about teaching, but more specifically, um, we're going to be focusing on, first, um, how do we address or, I don't know, maybe avoid talking about more sensitive issues, political, religious issues, and classes. So, yeah, we're going to start off with just talking about maybe political, religious um, issues um, in our classes. Um, and I just want to kind of start with just, you know, with talking about a little bit about like maybe what classes we teach and when those might actually come up because some of the classes the, those issues probably aren't going to come up but I know that some of us in the room here teach classes where that's likely to come up and we're going to have to address those issues so I don't know Twyla if we could start with you what are some of the classes that you have where you have um, maybe topics that are yeah know, sensitive so I teach a forensic and legal psychology course, and um, topics related to social justice are woven through, I mean, they're the fabric of the course. So I cannot avoid talking about race, for example. Race comes up probably every class period, or at least once a week. Um, and But then on the other extreme, I teach a, a lab course in developmental psychology, where it's much less... Um, I guess like natural for that to come up and I have to make sure I make a concerted effort if I'm interested in making that effort to bring up issues that are related to um, either diversity or sensitive topics or controversies whatever I think is worth bringing up yeah I mean that yeah so I teach a um, social psych lab course and there because it's it's a um, class that's really focused on methodology, it really doesn't come up all that often. Mm -hmm. But then in social psychology, the lecture course, it does. Obviously, issues of race and whatnot come up, which I mean, I'm sure, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so in my contemporary issues class, I'm I'm kind of screwed, or or I benefit from it, I guess, depending on your perspective. Uh, so every week, like we take up a particular topic that is both relevant to current events, but also I, I teach it from a moral psychology lens. And uh, so either related, um, so things that are related to both moral psychology and related to current events. So we touch on LGBTQ rights, we touch on inequality, power, race, prejudice. Um, I think name a hot topic or a hot button issue and we devote a week to it. So there, I guess, I'm not wild about the, the term, but like I guess we kind of like lean into it. But throughout all of that, the, the sort of frame that I adopt is, is, a, is a really descriptive frame for so is trying to understand, okay, why are biases present in these cases? What are the psychological underpinnings? I think like that's the way that I, I, I talk about those issues with students. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, same thing with so social psych. Like we touch on some of these issues, but um, in social psych, because it's more of a lecture-based course, whereas the contemporary issues course is, is more of a seminar where, where there's a lot of discussion, I think I do less of this in my social psych class uh, than I do in my contemporary issues class. By comparison, I might be the least controversial in terms of what I'm teaching. Uh, although I've taught things like evolutionary psychology in the past, um, and I spent a lot of time in that class thinking about how to address these topics, 
EP has a long history of sex differences and sex differences research, so uh, that was a hot topic there, one that would be controversial. Um, I bring in some of that to my personality psychology class because I, I talk about the evolutionary underpinnings of uh, the five-factor model and basic personality traits, but usually that's pretty minimal. Um, although there, I've seen some folks kind of brisk or bristle or whatever uh, at me mentioning the fact that there are well-established sex differences and personality traits that are cross-cultural as well. Um, so that that's interesting. But beyond that, you know, I'm teaching a stats class and a, a lab <laughs> class, so yeah. it's pretty cut and dry. Yeah, and I mean, just to go back to what you're saying, Monroe, about the social lab class, so the yeah. or the lecture class, sorry, um, because it is, so I teach it in a similar way, that it's more lecture-oriented, so I don't know, I'm going to have a lot to say about this, because my way of dealing with it is more or less avoidance, <laughs> so I will bring up, like, oh, hey, you know, there's this entertaining that happened, and, and whatnot, but then keep it very, I don't know, surfacey, and I don't oftentimes let it get into a discussion, but then I kind of feel bad because I feel like that that would be better if it was a discussion, Mm -hmm. but it just worries me so much that it could raise issues or or there could be, you know, um, people who are saying things that might be controversial or offensive. Offensive, (laughs) yes, exactly. Blatantly offensive. And and so oftentimes I just kind of avoid it and don't let it go into there. But I kind of want to hear from you guys are like, why? Well, or I don't know, what were you saying? Well, I was, I was wondering if the worry is that someone in the class will say something offensive, or are you worried that you'll offend someone? Mm. Yeah, good question. A little, probably a little of both, because I mean, partly, so, so when I bring up, so I talk about like motivated reasoning, and I always use politics in that, because it's just a classic example of motivated reasoning, but... I almost always bring up like, oh, so conservatives tend to view this, and this is why they're crazy. Oh, liberals tend to do this, and this is why they're crazy. And I almost always have this like blatantly bi- uh, um, balanced. Like it's funny to say it's blatantly balanced, but it's it's clearly <laughs> like I always have two examples yeah. of one on this side and one on this side. A plague on both houses. Kind of, yeah. yeah. And it's so so, and I don't know. I think I probably do it more than I need, but it is partly that worry that they're gonna think like oh well there's the you know liberal professor who's you know right. doing this or whatever and and so I, I again try to just take this like very balanced very neutral and sanitized view which I don't know if is necessarily the best thing yeah, yeah. I, so I wonder what you you all think of so I'm often worn between sort of two competing motivations on the one hand especially for a lecture class I feel like Part of my job as, as their professor is to be perceived as an honest broker of information. Right. And so in order to teach them, in order to get them to, to learn something, they have to perceive me as not having a, a particular agenda or axe to grind. Uh, and so I've, I've done the same thing where like, oh, you know, liberals have this particular bias and conservatives have this type of bias. So like the bias is pervasive sort of thing. And so I wore between that intuition of wanting to be able to reach my students and be perceived as someone that they can trust with talking about real social phenomena and saying that sometimes it's the case, like, no, there, there's a there's a right answer to this and there's yeah. a wrong yeah. answer to this. And like, is it is it racism? Yes, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But knowing that like, if I say that, I really worry that I, I lose my ability to talk to at least part of my class. Yeah, right. uh, but I'm curious how you how you three think of of resolving that that quandary. 
Avoidance. <laughs> that's, that's it. Avoidance. No, but I mean, yeah. I think I've evolved. So I was thinking about this and preparing for this discussion. And there was a time when I first started teaching where I really tried to very... My, my primary motivation was to sound balanced and neutral. And so, like, I remember that it was a victory, and I still think it was a victory, that at the end of the semester, for several semesters in a row, I have a student who would just sort of spontaneously say, but Dr. Wingrove, how do you really feel about the death penalty? Mm-hmm. And I would be like, yes, <laughs> they yeah. can't tell, right? Yeah. And so that was my motivation. And I was thinking, I don't have that anymore. <laughs> no one is really like, yeah. what do you really think? So you get tenure, and now surprisingly, <laughs> yeah. you don't care. Yeah. And so actually, I mean, that, that's one thing that I, I want to follow up on a little bit later, like whether or not there's a tenure distinction. Yeah. That like pre, pre-tenure versus post-tenure, are you more willing to be a bit more controversial or, I don't know, uh, yeah, a bit I, more controversial. Yeah, yeah, I am definitely, I don't know if I got more willing, but I'm definitely willing to be controversial. But I think we know um, that you're just low on agreeableness. I am low on agreeableness, <laughs> that is true. That is true. And yeah. I also, and I tell them this, I am, and this is why sometimes they can't tell what my position is, I am going to take a position just to make the argument. Right. And so I tell them repeatedly, you know, I'm going to say things in this class that may or may not be what I actually think, but I want you to think about both sides of, of an issue when yeah. it's reasonable <laughs> to yeah. think about both sides of an issue. But the reality, like you were saying, is that sometimes the data... Is conclu- I mean, conclusive is always hard to say, yeah. but the data is very strongly favoring right. one position. Yeah. And in those cases, I have grown more willing to just be like, look, this is what the data say. Mm-hmm. You might have an opinion that is contrary to the data, and that's fine, but you should recognize that it's based on things other than science, right? right. So, like, maybe you have a moral opinion, maybe you have a political opinion, but it's contrary right. to what we know about how things are operating. Um, and so, like, like uh, racial disproportionality in the criminal justice system, mm-hmm. like, there is no denial <laughs> that that exists. Yeah. You can you can sit here and tell me that there's no racism in the criminal justice system, and that's fine. But the data <laughs> are saying another thing, and so I'm curious about how you reconcile that. And I'll ask students. Like, I'm curious about how. How do we make sense of that, right? Right. Um, and so I'm more willing, if that, I think, I guess that's controversial. I'm more willing to say those things now than I used to be. Okay. Yeah. I, I've done similar things. So when I talk about personality, there's one class where I talk about the Google memo and all the shakeup that that caused. And when I bring that up, I do, like you said, and say, I'm going to present this idea as an argument. And I'm basically presenting James Damore's argument and other folks' argument. And I also say, well, you know, here's why it's controversial. So I think to kind of find that balance and also to take some of the pressure off of yourself, if you can, that doesn't make sense, but anyway, to take some of the reins, I guess, would be the best way to put it. If you intentionally say those sorts of things, then the impetus is on you and the focus is on you. And I think that does a lot to open up the possibility that students are able to say things without fearing blowback and ultimately it comes back to you because you said I'm opening up this I'm bringing out this argument just to argue it and I'm I'm fine if I say something that bothers somebody I mean I I kind of assume that going into a classroom where you're teaching 50 60 people everybody's seeing it in a different way I think ultimately I would worry more about a student saying something and then that student worrying about 
how the people are seeing them in the class. So if you can do enough to really grab the reins and put the pressure on you, so to speak, I think it opens it up for the students. I absolutely agree. Yeah, I found that if I am willing to say to take a controversial position, and I do try to make it sound natural, right? Like not completely artificial. Like what if I were to say this? Like right. I try to say, okay, but here's an argument. And this is an argument that people really believe, and maybe even in some cases I'll say I believe it, um, that I found that that does sort of, it, it creates some flexibility in the classroom, and other people are willing to chime in and say, yeah, I actually sort of believe that too, maybe the, not that extreme, right. and then it can start a discussion that when it, lo- it looked like everyone was on the same side, on the right. same end of the right. spectrum, and then it turned out, if you're willing to sort of flip it, there are some students who are who want to say something right. who haven't had a chance or haven't felt comfortable. Yeah. And I enjoy that. I I agree with you that I I don't enjoy worrying about if students say controversial or gonna say controversial mm-hmm. things. In my experience, most of the time other students have policed it. Yeah. And so then I feel mostly okay with it. I can think of a couple examples where it's been really rough. What yeah, what do you mean other students have policed it? And so, this was years ago, so I feel okay saying it. So there was an example where, um, I can't even remember what we were talking about, but someone literally used the phrase China babies. And so a student, in participating in the conversation, said something like, well, there are plenty of babies to adopt in China. What about the China babies? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, of course, like my reaction was... Not positive. <laughs> um, but other students went ahead and communicated, like, that's not the best way to say that. Oh, yeah. wow. And their reactions to it, um, like, but non-verbally, yeah. that student saw them, and I could tell that that student saw them, but then a couple of students were willing to verbally say, like, uh, maybe rephrase, or think about that in a different way, or that's completely inappropriate. Um, And I've had other examples where students have said things about like government conspiracies and other students have been like, okay, well you need to stop reading the blogs. (laughs) So um, there's a little bit of that that happens, at least in my classes. Yeah. Yeah. So this idea of students policing each other made me think about this. And some people are really like adamant about there being this call out culture and stuff like that. But a lot of stuff does happen on social media. And I wonder if, with the way the university policies are being written, if we're going to have to start moving into thinking about what happens on social media, referencing what happened in the classroom. Because I, I feel totally comfortable, for the most part, addressing stuff in the classroom and talking about why maybe you should think about it in this different way or why that might be offensive to somebody, but I can't control what happens outside of the classroom. Yeah. And But I don't know that we're responsible for things that happen outside yeah. of the classroom. I don't think we are at this point, but... But I have had a couple incidents, two incidents where students have mentioned me on Twitter. Get get those menchies, man. (laughs) But it makes me, and they're positive. They've been positive so far. At least (laughs) the ones you've seen. Exactly. So it does make me nervous. And when Yik Yak was a thing, there were some comments on Mm -hmm. there. I mean, I think it can happen that it will spiral out of the classroom, but I don't know what responsibility I have there. Yeah. I don't know. I still come back to this idea of how do you balance, or, or is it even important to balance neutrality or perceived neutrality uh, in the interest of being able to reach 
a broad student body and, right. and being able to have them trust you and learn from you mm-hmm. and talking about you know the difficult and nuanced problems and again like i, I think there, there's a big difference between like seminars where right. you can actually spend the time to unpack difficult issues and a lecture class where there's just not really that opportunity unless you're, you're very intentional mm-hmm. in in creating it but i my worry so I, I had one particular experience in a lecture class this was in the wake of the 2016 election uh, the, the day after the election uh, happened so we all wake up the next morning and like welcome to that hellscape uh, <laughs> uh, yeah uh, and, and so I remember I went in to go teach uh, th- this class and 19 like literally 19 out of 20 of the students are just dejected they are talking about like how could this have happened and there's one student in the class one who is feeling like really called out in that moment because she was a Trump supporter and she's like this is great and she asked like do I have to stay here in class today and I said I mean, you don't have to. You always have a choice. But, like, this is not going to be, like, this is this is private class even beginning. Like, I'm getting set up and the students oh, are having yeah. this conversation. Yeah. And so as soon as class started, I said, okay, that is not our topic for the day. We're going to talk about this. And, like, that student, and I, I remember this because it also showed up in my reviews <laughs> later, that, like, that student never, I think, never felt comfortable in the class after that. Jeez, and yeah. then I, I think she... I think she's resistant to the information, and I think like she just didn't get as much out of the course because of that. Because she thought I had a particular axe to grind, even though like I went out of my way to say like, we're not going to like talk about this. Like that is not our topic for the day. So that, and I'm not saying like I, I think like we should be silent on, on these things. I think I think like being engaged is the is the better thing to do, but. I worry about do we lose the ability to speak to our students then? Yeah. Well, I think this kind of goes back to your idea of like honest brokers of information. Mm-hmm. And I've heard people say that the standard is you should teach to this, like the standard of a reasonable person, not necessarily the lowest common denominator, but a reasonable person mm-hmm. that is able to think about these things in different ways and is balanced. And they might have their own opinion, but they're willing to hear other opinions. Um, and I think at some point you're, there's going to be people that don't meet that threshold. But I, I agree with the folks that say that that should be our goal. We should try and teach to something like that. Yeah, that that's fair. Yeah. So I think at some point it's just going to be you're going to lose some people. You're going to lose some yeah. people. But as long as you're you have something that is your guidepost for how you set up the class, I think that's our responsibility. Yeah. I mean, but I can I can imagine though. I mean, like I don't know. This isn't necessarily just agreeing with that, but like I can imagine. If there was somebody who I knew they had very different, you know, political, moral beliefs right. than I did, I probably would would not pay attention to a lot of things that they were saying, not just in that same political domain, right. but in other areas right. as well. And so, you know, if I could find myself doing that, certainly I would imagine the students would do that sure. as well. So, so if they are picking up on those like clear political beliefs that we might have, are we losing, you know, not just like the lowest common denominator, not just we're losing 5%, are we losing 45% right. of the class? I don't know that we are. I mean, no, I, 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 don't, sure. I don't think we're losing that much. Yeah. I think it's, it's probably a smaller okay. than that. But I mean, still, you can make the argument that 
we lose we lose students along the way, like for lots of different reasons. <laughs> uh, yeah. Do it is is yeah. losing students for? Yeah. Uh, I'm, so so politics is the thing that like most easily comes to mind for me. Yeah. Um, do we want to lose them for political reasons? And I yeah. like my answer to that is, uh, like a solid groan. Yeah. I, I I don't. I wish that it were avoidable, but at the same time, like when a student. We uh, this didn't happen this semester, but this happened last semester uh, in one of my classes. When we were talking about prejudice and we were talking about uh, we were talking about immigration, and someone's like said uh, asked like, so does that mean like Trump is racist? And and I remember going, all right, so think about how to answer that question in a way that is both honest and not yeah. gonna. And I'm like, well, so. He says things that I think we would we would call patently racist. Mm-hmm. He has policies that I think we would call patently racist. And so, like, I think there's an argument mm-hmm. that you know, if it walks like a duck, it talks like a duck. Yeah. Um, and and then that was my that was my best way of saying like. Yes, the answer is yes, mm-hmm. uh, which I think reflects the reality. Yeah, um, right. But but then like worrying like do I lose do I lose my MAGA students then yeah. or do I I mean and should I care I yeah. guess is the follow up question. Well, and and I guess the uh, you know to argue the other side now um, yeah. I guess the the argument can be made too that maybe by engaging in those types of really important discussions that we actually. Um, like not maintain, but we engage some of the students who are kind of on the periphery, but then now they're really interested because we're talking about important, relevant, hot button things. So maybe it's actually helpful. So it's like, yeah, we might lose some people, but also we are going to gain some people because if we just talk about boring, mundane stuff the whole time, then that's not going to engage people as well. And that's, I think that's what I found is on balance, I feel like my students are more engaged rather than less engaged. Right. And yeah. I can't guarantee that I, like, I'm sure that I lose some of them. I try not to. Um, and then maybe I'm just making, trying to make myself feel better. But for those who I do lose, I think to myself, even if they felt uncomfortable, that might be a learning experience, right? Mm-hmm. They had a moment mm-hmm. to feel like they were the minority voice in a room. And maybe that's a learning experience in and of itself. And I don't know if they'll actually self-reflect and draw those conclusions. Right. Chances are they might not, but I can't make them <laughs> draw conclusions. And at some point, I have to give up responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, I, I don't know. I can't. I feel like I don't want to change what I think are important lessons just because there might be a few people in the room right. yeah. who are just so afraid of hearing it or unwilling to hear it mm-hmm. that they get upset or angry. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, some people say that that's what the university experience is supposed to be. Yeah. Right. You're supposed to be in an environment where you, you have the room to move around and try on different ideas and hear different ideas from people and maybe even get mildly offended so you can learn from it and you can see what somebody else's perspective is like. You know, if you've never been a minority and now you're a minority because of an idea or a belief that you hold in this discussion, maybe that's a learning opportunity. But I think that also blurs the line between how much of that can we do and how much of that is just offending a bunch of people and losing. Yeah. 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 Which, yeah. 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 Yeah, you don't want to necessarily like intentionally offend people, but right. but I mean, this is a little bit of an aside. But I do think about what you were just saying um, and how that relates to like what's the difference between what we do when we teach these classes versus what does like an online university do, where it's just like oh they you know read a textbook and then like answer some questions and move on. It's like well these class discussions or these like 
you know, times where they feel maybe a little bit uncomfortable in their challenge, like that's kind of what we're supposed to add that they can't get elsewhere. Yeah. And so if we're doing like I do or just avoid it, it's probably not necessarily adding all that much. So even right. though, like you said, it might lose a couple people overall, that might still be beneficial. The thing I worry about more is not the students we've been talking about, but it's the students with various kinds of minority status. Right. That I either I worry that I either put them on the spot mm-hmm. or I said something I worded something in a way that was not sensitive. Yeah, um, and that's what I that's what I actually lose sleep over. Yeah, I don't lose sleep yeah. over making students uncomfortable um, in the opposite direction. Right. I worry more about those situations. Mm-hmm. And those are the situations that I go you know to other colleagues and say, okay, this just happened. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do I do? Should I apologize? Did I do something wrong? The answer is probably yes. Yeah, we should just apologize yeah. in this situation. Yeah. 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 But I mean, I do that like a little bit with um, social um, psych when we talk about um, stereotypes of prejudice. Uh, you know, I have to give examples of stereotypes, and yeah. and so you, know, you have to bring things up. And like a lot of times, the ones that I bring up intentionally are just so mundane. So like one of my go to's is that like women are bad drivers, and because it's just like it's true. It's <laughs> exactly because it's obviously true. There we go. Yes. Right. Thank you for bringing up your perspective. Um, but no, because like it's just one that like a lot of people have heard, but also I mean people aren't going to be particularly offended. Plus, I also almost always like afterwards bring up the fact that like well also that's probably not true being that insurance companies actually charge men more because they think they're more at risk so therefore you know it's an incorrect stereotype however blah blah and I use that um, and so I bring up again these like mundane examples because I'm so worried about like offending the yeah. minority students in the class or, or yeah. people and I think I like I mean going back to what you guys said earlier what I, what I want to maybe incorporate into my classes is starting with a, 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 like almost like a disclaimer or, or a statement that says like, all right, we're going to be talking about these sensitive issues. I'm going to bring up some things that I don't necessarily believe in, but I have to talk about them so I can kind of distance myself from these things that I'm saying. So hopefully I can still talk about them, but they don't think that that's my perspective. So I don't lose them. At least that's the hope. I mean, again, from the 20-minute conversation that we've had here. But I think that can happen. I, I write something similar in my syllabi. Oh. Even though I don't feel like I touch on a lot of controversial stuff, I have a statement right along with you know, like the University Code of Ethics and mm-hmm. student expectations. And I say, you know, we might touch some controversial subjects, but I'm trying as much as I can to create an open environment that allows for that. And I think that gives us some protection I hate to think of you know it boiling down to that like we gotta put it in our syllabus but that's another thing that could maybe build that yeah that's on my first day in my contemporary contemporary issues class there those are the words I I say so we're going to disagree Uh, and disagreement is good it's how we sharpen our arguments it's how we think about why we believe what we believe and so so I I frame the class as we're going to talk about things that are controversial we are going to disagree with one another that is not only okay but that is good 
insofar as we will always disagree with people's arguments, not with the right, people themselves. Right. So like my contemporary issues class have always been really happy about our ability to talk about things that are really touchy topics and to talk about them in a relatively nuanced type of way. It's also a class that I'm dealing with. Like These are seniors in general. Helps, yeah. uh, so, so I think that that helps. Whereas I'm just, yeah, I, I think now maybe it's just like cowardice on my part, mm-hmm. or maybe it's like a desire of getting particular teaching evaluations or insulating myself or something, uh, some type of self-protective motive. But in my social side class, I think I am much more careful to sort of conceal my particular yeah. viewpoint from the students because because our only point of contact in, in that is like, I'm going to lecture to you and I need you to believe that what I'm saying doesn't have an ideological bent, but is like, this is our best knowledge about the science that we have. And so I'm kind of, I'm willing to make that trade-off in in that case. I don't know if it's the right trade-off, but but that's the trade-off that I'm, at least so far, I've been willing to make. I also, I do that, but I also make a distinction between arguments and opinions. Mm. And so I say, like, I make the, the claim that in this class, we're going to make arguments that we may not even agree with. And so the point is to consider other points of view, even if it's not your own. So you can make an argument that maybe is your opinion in disguise, maybe isn't for the sake of the argument. Mm-hmm. And so then I think there's a little more distance there. Too. Yeah. There's permission to say something controversial that you can, you have permission to be like, well, I don't really think that, or like imply that you may not think that, when reality, who knows. So, I mean, I think that with a lot of the lecture classes, I can, I'm thinking about like how, ways that I might like structure you know, future lecture classes that I have. Um, but what, like, like for those of you who actually do talk about these issues and have it more of a discussion, so like the contemporary issues or, or the forensic psych class or whatnot, um, how have you dealt with issues or have you had issues where somebody says something that's, you know, offensive, that's, that's I mean, controversial or whatever it is, have you dealt with it? Do you just let the other students deal with it? Do you try to, like, discount it in some way? Do you try to take a hands-off approach and just, like, ignore that it ever happened? I don't know. What do you guys do with those discussions when somebody says something controversial? For me, I can, like, I can only think uh, in 10 years, almost 10 years teaching here, I can only think of two really extreme examples. Okay. That, I mean, I mentioned the government conspiracies thing, and, mm. I mean, that wasn't, you know, that wasn't very extreme. Students were able to correct... Um, I can think of two examples that were just sort of one one was racist and one was sexist. And that I mean that was a lot harder. Like so I think it was maybe my very first semester here oh, no. a student used the word colored to Ooh. refer <laughs> to black people and I am not from this particular region and so I like I also had the added level of like is this culturally a thing that people still say <laughs> like the question mark um, and so that was one example and did you like correct it or did you just let so it so I rephrased it uh, okay and I rephrased it twice nice and and hoped so I felt I felt very uncomfortable being really explicit, like that's not appropriate. Um, so that was what I felt comfortable doing in the moment. I might be more direct if that were to happen now because I'm more confident. Um, but at the time, I was like, oh, that just happened. <laughs> I really don't know what 
to do. Um, and clearly other students, it was an all white class. I don't know if that makes it. I mean, that does make a difference in some way, yeah. I think. But clearly other students, I don't know if this student picked up on it or not, but other students sort of leaned back in their chairs. And so there was certainly a nonverbal reaction, but no other students felt comfortable saying yeah. anything and who can blame them. And so that was a situation where I, I really struggled with trying to figure out what to do. And I don't know if I did the right thing, but that was what I felt like I could do in the moment. <laughs> and then I stressed over whether I should talk to that student privately. In that situation, I chose not to. And then fast forward a couple of years, there was a controversy on campus. You were the only one here at the time that involved a, some sexual assault allegations um, and, and an athletic team. And, um, and so students were talking about it before class. And so I was still getting slides up and sort of organizing myself. And I just sort of heard this happening at a student. I can't even remember what he said now, but it was basically like, she shouldn't, like, if she didn't want to have sex with them, she shouldn't have done X, uh, yeah. whatever X was. I can't remember. Yeah. And in that situation, I I mean, I did, I sort of stopped breathing. It was like, now what happens? Yeah. <laughs> and, and several students around this particular student were like, you need, they, they got angry. Mm-hmm. And so they were like, you do not ever say that to me again. Yeah, and yeah. I think some of them knew each other and some of them didn't outside of the classroom. And so by the time I stepped in, they had done a lot of the policing, yeah. but then I did sort of uh, reinforce what they said. I can't remember how I reinforced yeah. it, but I was, I did try to say something that was, I sort of like reinforced what they said. And then also it was like, and now we're starting class yeah. and redirect. But that's, I mean, that's like a good experience, though. Like, that's something that where it's like, they should have said something. I'm glad that they did. I worry about the times where then people don't say anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I worry about that first example. Like, I mean, I I feel like in retrospect, I should have said something to that student that was a little more direct. Um, But at the time, Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel comfortable doing that. But then you were talking about, there was one, you guys were talking about, like, um, superstition. And then somebody yeah, said, basically, like, I don't remember exactly what it was, but you, you related that basically the gist, they said, well, obviously all religion is just superstition also. <laughs> yeah, I forgot how, about that one. How did you deal with that? Or did you deal with that? I don't remember the... Yeah. 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 So that... And, and I had knowledge that people in the room were religious. Right. Um, yeah, Christian in particular. Mm-hmm. So I knew that, like, it was... The there was the potential there for people to take offense to it um and so i tried the neutrality approach in that particular Mm -hmm. circumstance so i was like okay well there are ways that we can operationalize these ideas so i tried to raise questions like is religious faith the same thing as superstition let's think about this in in a methodological way are there ways to define them differently or do we define them the same so i tried that and then I don't know if it was very successful because, and I don't think people were actually that, I didn't feel like people were that upset. I mean, of course they could have been hiding it, um, but I certainly wasn't getting anywhere. <laughs> and so then I just redirected because I felt like, like it was clear that, I mean, honestly, in that situation, it was clear that the atheists in the room were the most uncomfortable because they felt like they might have offended religious people. So it's That's sort of a flip. Yeah. yeah. And they were the ones that were like, we can't talk about this. Wow. And so I was, uh, yeah, I felt like I didn't process it fast enough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, 
Like, yeah. I was like, wait, what? And then it moved on to a different topic. I have had that experience where, like, something happens, you're wait, by the time you process yeah. what has happened, <laughs> yeah. it sort of has swept past you like a bus. Yeah. Uh, and, and then, but then like reframing or sort of, I think, slowing down the conversation yeah. and repackaging what people in the room have said is a nice way of sort of diffusing it and taking the conversation back to sort of safer ground for yes. people. Yeah. And I do think I do that a lot. I do a lot of restating what people say, and what I think in a better way, though. <laughs> yeah. Basically, yeah, like trying to what do, like a sciencey way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, turns well, actually, what you meant was. Well, yeah. All right. I think that by the looks on everybody's faces, it looks like we're about finished. So, um, yeah. thank you. Yeah. Anything else? No. All right. Well, raising the glasses in the air. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll uh, see you next time. Thank you for listening to Marginally Significant. We'd love to hear if you have comments, questions, or any feedback about today's episode. You can message us on Twitter at MarginallySig. Our email address is MarginallySig at gmail.com. And there's a contact form on our website, which is MarginallySig.com. However you contact us, we'll be sure to reply. Uh, If you're interested in supporting the show, we'd also love getting reviews on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you use to listen to podcasts. And finally, uh, you can post about the show on Twitter, Facebook, or any other social media platform that you use. However you support the show, we really appreciate it. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.